Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As it's just another night and another blowout win for the Bucks, they win by 20 points again. Frank, I, I believe this is their 14th win by 20 points or more. I, I, I think that's right. I'm sure I saw that tweet just before. I probably should be a little more professional than that and actually have that stat. But they win 117-97. Yet again... None of the starters are required to play more than 30 minutes, which is just becoming the norm now. And it, it's just ridiculous. I, I wrote it after the game about the fact that Giannis, I'm not even sure at this point if there really should be an MVP conversation, but the other guy, Chris Middleton, again, just has another 20 points in under 30 minutes. He's in uh, career best form. And uh, it, again, Another team that you figure is really going to be in that race for that eighth seed potentially to face the Bucks in the first round. Uh, they they were no match for Milwaukee tonight. No, I thought it was. I mean, you know, our our bar has risen further and further and further. Obviously, for for this team this year, but I think you know, again, you, you go you go on the road and and you know, obviously the Nets. I think with Kyrie coming back, yeah, there's probably still some degree of feeling out that they're doing, but. Um, you know, it's a talented Nets team. They, they've obviously uh, shown that they can be competitive without Kyrie. I mean, again, as much as Kyrie's a weirdo that is hard to play with, um, <laughs> you know, again, uh, you should figure this out and, and at least be a pretty good team. And obviously they're going to be a playoff team. I think pretty confident on that front regardless. So uh, to go in there and, and to really just kind of, you know, for the most part manhandle them. And I thought, especially defensively, I thought what the Bucks did was just really impressive. Brooke Lopez, another great night. Uh, at the office, which I guess you can say, you know, the paint is his office. Uh, defensively, I thought he was was really good again tonight. Uh, and you know, offensively, it felt like there was just a lot of there was a lot of sloppiness. You know, um, yeah. I think certainly the uh, four offensive fouls called on Giannis uh, was probably the you know the, the kind of uh, the headline of that sloppiness. Um, and and obviously that you know some frustration, I'm sure for Bucks fans and Giannis with some of those calls, but. Um, just some like weird, like, you know, Giannis had that like pass straight to the Nets bench in the first quarter when he thought somebody was going to be there there. It just felt like there were plays like that, uh, throughout the game and just, um, you know, Giannis finishes with eight turnovers. So I mean, four turnovers on top of the four offensive fouls, which also count as turnovers and 20 overall for the Bucks. That's obviously, you know, way more than, than you want to see from a, a Bucks team that, um, you know, normally operates at a much more efficient clip in that regard. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, they score 117, but I thought it was really um, – the defense was probably what impressed me most tonight, uh, especially protecting the rim. And, you know, you, you hold the opponent to 33% shooting, not from three, 31% from three, 33% overall. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a headline right there. I just thought they did a great job of – um, really limiting what uh, the Nets were able to do inside. 
And, you know, ironically, like Nick Claxton seemed to be the like best player for for the Nets tonight. The backup big man who was really active, uh, scored 14 points on 12 shots. So, I mean, not exactly like, you know, a game winning performance there. Uh, And a couple of those were, I think, in the fourth quarter uh, when he was kind of taking it to a dragon bender in garbage time. Um, But uh, yeah, overall, I thought the Bucks just did a really nice job. Uh, you know, containing Kyrie, 17 points on 15 shots. Sure. Yeah. Live with that all day. I mean, granted, that was better than he did in the playoffs last year, I guess, against the Bucks. <laughs> but uh, that you'll live with that. Dinwiddie, 11 points on 12 shots. Torian Prince, uh, for some reason, had 15 shots tied for the most of any uh, Nets, <laughs> Nets player today. He had 13 points on 15 shots. Uh, and, you know, Karis LeVert, three out of 13 uh, six points on 13 shots. I mean, these, these are some, you know, especially I'd say, uh, you know, obviously Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Levert. I mean, those are really talented players, guys who can, you know, beat you one-on-one, really pressure defenses. And I just thought the Bucks just did a really nice job. You know, you just think about, especially that guard rotation uh, in particular on uh, Irving and Dinwiddie, you know, Bledsoe, Hill, Dante DiVincenzo. I thought they just did a really great job all night. And, um, yeah, I mean, you win by 20 points and hold a team under 100, uh, especially a team like the Nets, who they like to go up and down the floor as much as the Bucks do. Typically, uh, they put up a lot of threes to, to hold them under 100. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's impressive. And again, Bucks not necessarily playing at their best, but still cruising to uh, a win that, uh, again, you just kind of night in, night out, uh, this, this team just gets it done. Yeah, Brooklyn's a, a kind of an interesting team. As you said, like individually, they've got a bunch of talented players. But uh, I think for the most part, when you think about the, the guys that they do have or the guys that maybe you would worry about having a big night. So Dinwiddie, obviously one who um, yeah, potentially could be an all-star. Karis LeVert obviously had, had a bunch of injuries in his uh, career. But uh, a tidy finisher and a guy that can put up points and then Kyrie. But uh, I think if you look at all those guys, and you're you're putting together a scouting report. I think pretty clearly it's going to say turn them into jump shooters, and you're gonna you're gonna fare pretty well. We know how well the Bucks protect the paint. You already spoke about the impact Brook Lopez had with the five blocks. But the Nets come or oh, right now actually after that game, sorry, they're they're 25th in offensive efficiency, 26th in field goal percentage, and 28th in three point percentage. There was a game a few weeks ago. I I can't remember. It might have been against the Knicks. I think it might have been before Christmas. Also, it was a while ago now where they only had eight, two point, uh, eight made two-point field goals for an entire game. Uh, we saw early in this one, they were more than happy to, to jack up the threes that the Bucks were giving them. They finished 15 for 49 from three, which uh, I believe the Celtics had 49 three-point attempts the other night against the Bucks as well. So that's back-to-back games uh, uh, this, with the Celtics and the Nets. They've just been chucking up threes. And uh, I just think that defensively, uh, this this Bucks uh, defense is set up pretty well to match up with Brooklyn, and again, you know, you, you project forward. It's a legitimate chance that this could be the first round matchup, and I, I think that would bode well for Milwaukee. Although, uh, you know, I mean, I guess any one v eight matchup right now, you're probably going to be feeling pretty good about. But uh, on the other side of the ball, it was interesting. Brooklyn started certainly looked like they started in a bit of a zone, and uh, it was interesting because the Bucks finished shooting the three really well. Uh, on the on the night they finish forty five percent from three, seventeen for thirty seven. But they missed their first six. So after they missed their first six attempts, they end up shooting fifty four percent from three. We know they had a great shooting night uh, against the Celtics the other night. But uh, I think that 
some of those charges that that Giannis were called for. And and first of all, I, I did comment during the game that I haven't seen a team uh, looking to flop on immediate contact as much as the Nets were on a couple of those, and even a couple of those that weren't called. So when you took about Giannis getting called for four charges, there were some no calls there that were very obvious flops. And I think this is a real thing that Giannis is going to have to deal with. And uh, clearly the Nets went to that zone. They're like, okay, well, let's let's see if we can we can uh, stop Giannis from getting into the paint, put a bunch of bodies in there. It didn't really work because Giannis scored the first uh, six points of the game for the Bucs. But, uh, you know, it was just interesting to see some different looks. And this this charge thing that was such a big story after the Celtics game, that's not going to go away because I, I think we're getting to the point. There's some teams that will say, okay, we, we think we can sort of legitimately uh, defend Giannis. And I'm talking maybe only two or three teams, maybe the Lakers, maybe uh, Philly uh, as well. But uh, these other teams... This is almost their best chance to slow him down, flop, and hope you get the call. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know if you made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. Also, Add a skills test to your job post so you can be confident in your applicant's abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash locked on and get the free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash locked on. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31, 2020. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd have to look at the numbers. It it feels like Giannis has been a a bit better of late. Like, you know, if we want to say we're more or less at the halfway point here, a little past the halfway point, like in the first quarter of the season let's say um it seemed like it was more of an epidemic yeah. uh the charges the flopping obviously you know it was a talking point the other night um because of some of the things that the celtics did uh but for the most part i mean you know again Giannis has not been in this sort of nightly foul trouble and fouling out um of late as he was you know early in the first few weeks of the season where it just seemed like you know every other game or in that first week it was like every game you know he was um, he was getting into foul trouble. You know, he fouled out of what two out of the first three games or whatever it was. So, um, again, tonight, I mean, four fouls, all of them offensive. That's obviously extreme. You just tough to live with that. Um, and and I think you know, again, it's it's tough because the rules and the officiating, the way of way you know teams or the games officiated, incentivizes people to just fall down. And you know, again, I I mean, if I was out there, okay, I'm you know a five, 10 and a half foot, uh, 170 pound guy who has no athleticism. Yeah. I'd probably just fall down too for my own benefit, but, uh, you know, even NBA athletes, uh, there's very few guys who probably can, you know, obviously keep up with Giannis. And, um, I, you know, I thought the first one where Kyrie Irving was kind of, it didn't even seem, he wasn't even really squared up with Giannis moving along with him. And I thought I was surprised that that one was, was still a charge. Um, you know, I think the, the second one, which was also taken by Kyrie, um, you know, Giannis gets the ball in transition and passes it without even dribbling, and Kyrie just, you know, basically takes advantage of Giannis's momentum after the pass 
to me, I that's like, that cool. I, 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 yeah, I, I do it too. And, and okay. So there's a rule, like basically you have to like let a guy land. And I, I don't think technically that was what happened there. Cause Mianos did land and then he took a step to pass. So, I mean, again, I think letter of the law, I don't think that would have been overturned. Um, well, and it wasn't, or sorry, it was, it was that one, that was the one that was called a, a block and then it was overturned to a charge, right? I think if I remember correctly. And I think that's technically correct by the letter of the law. But again, you know, I don't know how you want to do it if you want to say these plays where a guy like passes like that or if a guy doesn't even like dribble, I, I don't, you know, whether it's catching and going up for a basket or catching it and passing it to me, like, I just, I just think we have to like legislate the game in a way that, you know, like, what are we trying to accomplish here? It's not like he's rumbling down with a head of steam, mowing a guy over. Like, literally, he barely has a chance to catch it. Intent of the sport is to take that, you know, to to, to take that out, um, you know, as far as being what you can do offensively. So, I, again, I, that's like one of those aspects of, you know, there's, I think, some very strong arguments for why, you know, getting rid of the charge altogether could be something that would be good for the league in terms of incentivizing guys to actually play defense. Um, you know, I think you can still you can still call offensive fouls when they're like pushing that. Um, and, and again, like if you, you know, sometimes Giannis pushes off. We see Bledsoe push off. You got a call today where he kind of angled into a guy. Um, yeah. Bledsoe did for which I think is a legit thing to to call. Um, but when a guy's like legitimately just trying to move forward, and um, you know, guys aren't aren't even attempting to really like play defense, I, I just think it's it's just annoying. And um, I, I will say this though. Um, you know, Dragan Bender, he, this was a game, I mean, this was the the, kind of the longest stretch. Um, I feel like we, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he played more than, than he did the other night, but, um, you know, he, you can kind of tell like in the preseason, he got a ton of fouls. And in this game, I don't know, you'd have to count it, but there must've been like six, seven, eight times where he challenged around the rim. He had one like real pretty, like, I mean, he just got his money's worth on a foul, but yeah. he had a number, I mean, a bunch of plays starting in the first quarter in the first quarter when the Bucks kind of got their first separation where he just moved his feet, put his arms straight up. And again, nothing spectacular. You know, he's not a, he's not a Brooke Lopez level shot blocker, obviously uh, pleased that the refs like weren't looking to call fouls on him, even though he's dragging Bender and like, it's not like anybody respects Bender's defense. So, um, you know, on the one hand, the, the Giannis, Stuff was a bit frustrating. There were a couple of other plays where there were kind of no calls uh, that you know I think you could have easily called stuff on. I think the the turnover Giannis had uh, in the first quarter after a second foul um, that was called out on him. I, I think it actually ended up ricocheting off a, a net. Um, so you know it's kind of one of those things. It's it was legitimately a frustrating night for Giannis who ends up taking seven free throws. Um, and you know you kind of sit there thinking like okay like really like he only had seven free throws worth of contact in this game. But um, I will say at least like I, I did feel like they were not overly whistle happy in terms of what the Bucks were doing defensively and, and rewarding the Bucks for, I think playing some, you know, pretty legitimately good defense, even when it was, you know, Dragon Bender, who's obviously not a shot blocker per se, um, and, you know, versus Brooke Lopez, who also had obviously gave me five blocks, had some great defense at the rim. So, um, you know, again, it's always going to be a challenge. Uh, I think, the other thing about that I liked, I liked that after the second foul, Bud did not pull Giannis right away. And um, Giannis was able to stay in attack mode, had the turnover right away, but then he had another basket um, right before he left at about the, kind of the six-minute mark or so that first quarter. So basically you still got him, you know, like 
close to what he normally will oftentimes run in the first quarter. And so I thought that was a positive too, is, is Bud didn't just, you know, become a, 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 you know, basically a slave to the two fouls in the first quarter, three fouls in the second quarter, like rule that a lot of coaches have where you automatically pull a guy. Um, so I was happy about that. And I thought Giannis generally played pretty well, even with those fouls and, you know, ultimately only 25 minutes, but a lot of that was because they just didn't need him to come back um, after he went to the bench early in the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, again, frustrating, you know, that, that, his game and his impact or his night would be impacted so much by the fouls, but I thought he actually still managed to play his game for the most part. And, you know, ultimately you didn't let some of the the shenanigans uh, really necessarily impact the way Giannis was playing. And obviously you know, didn't let the team kind of impact what they were doing either. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Milwaukee Bucks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Milwaukee Bucks fans that are well-educated with disposable income then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to double three triple seven, or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get the team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you guys. Yeah, so Giannis finishes with 29 points under 30 minutes. Uh, I, I think we mentioned this stat the other night uh, that he's already broken the single season record for the most 30-point games in under 30 minutes. So he fell uh, <laughs> fell one point shy of adding to that record. There was just a couple of points I wanted to make um, about the officiating. Uh, I know I, I don't know how many people that uh, got the chance to listen to the to the pod with with Alex Lazary back in November, I believe that was, but he spoke quite a bit about uh, the conversations they have with the officials and and, uh, the frustrating stretch that you spoke about earlier in the season. This was right in the the middle of that. And and Alex spoke about the conversations that the owners have uh, with the officials and and the open dialogue they have and trying to work out what's the best way to officiate Giannis, who we know uh, is such a unique player that uh, there's not many guys like him. And I always compare it to the LeBron factor, and he's been a guy that has had to play through <laughs> incredible contact and uh, just with how physical he is and how aggressive he is going to the basket, uh, you could almost call a foul on him on every play. He's dealt with that now. Giannis is in that zone now. And the fact that he's a little bit different in that he is he does move almost uh I don't know. I don't know if there's another player that moves as as uniquely as he does with the Euro steps and and his size uh, and his ability to sort of snake his way to the basket. Those charge calls are really difficult. But I will say, anyone that's uh, that follows Alex on Twitter and sees his Twitter feed, I would say that there is definitely uh, conversations being had about this. And the other point is the challenge. It was interesting because you you, br- you bring up Kenny Atkinson challenges that second one. Uh, that I didn't think, even on replay, I was like, I don't think that there's any way they can overturn this. We've seen a number of challenge calls where you think they're obvious candidates to to be overturned and they haven't done it. So uh, that was really interesting to see for mine. And again, Bud, uh, you know, on that third one, that was sort of 
uh, you know, 50-50. Like, is that is that a foul? This is Giannis' third foul at the start of the second quarter. 9.30 left to go in the half at that point. Can you afford to let him pick up that foul? Bud didn't use the challenge. He spoke about this after the game against Boston where, particularly on the charge block call, he said that he has really no idea what, <laughs> what they're going to overturn and what they're not going to overturn. He doesn't feel totally comfortable taking them. I know... Uh, just from scrolling through Twitter, that that's been a source of frustration for Bucks fans. But uh, it's all, I, I don't know. It's still a still a learning experience, I guess. And uh, Bud has said that he doesn't feel totally comfortable taking those challenges early. But uh, we, we said right from the top that if you're going to take them, use them on a Giannis foul. And it didn't matter tonight. And uh, as you sort of pointed to, Bud kept him in the game anyway. But in a playoff, in a playoff series, like uh, I don't know if he's picking up his third foul on a uh, 50-50 call at the start of the second quarter. I don't know if you can let that slip. You might need to to pull the trigger on that one. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, um, this is kind of I think early in the season we we wondered a lot. Like, would the challenge call be Bud's like secret weapon to try to defuse? Um, you know, Giannis bad charge calls, uh, and and likewise the reverse, right? I think right early in the season, I mean, first game of the season, Mike D'Antoni uses that that charge uh, uses the the challenge call to turn a block into a charge in the first game of the season, very similar to what we saw. Tonight. And Giannis eventually fouls out of that first game of the season, and um, you know, I think in in practice it makes a lot of sense if you're the opposing coach, like you know the best thing that can happen probably in, in terms of general events with the officials, if you're playing the Bucks, is Giannis get a second foul early. And um, so again, the incentive is to, again, have your players fall down a lot. And then if you think, you know, you've got one that could potentially um, be overturned into a charge, then, then go for it. Um, and uh, you know, I did wonder like, it, it would Bud try to reverse something if Giannis got another one, but uh, obviously Ultimately, they didn't feel like it was worth trying to do it. Um, and, you know, kudos to Giannis. He played well with the fouls and really meant that it didn't really matter um, that much. I was curious. Um, it wasn't nice to see. I mean, he did get that um, – he did draw that that charge. Sort of it was like a charge slash push off by Torian Prince, um, I think, after getting his third foul, um, which I think, again, was a legitimate call, although – Giannis is just so unnatural drawing charges that uh, you always worry that they're going to not give him the benefit of the doubt, even though if anybody should get the benefit of the doubt on a charge, it probably should be Giannis considering how often uh, or how happy officials seem to be to call charges on him. But anyway, uh, it's nice that it ultimately wasn't really a big deal uh, in the outcome of the game. But obviously, you know, there's always that thing like what in the playoffs, like is this going to be something that a game gets turned on, right? A, A block charge that gets overturned. Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be something. I I mean, I feel like now we're we're in the middle of January, so maybe this isn't something that's going to be worked through as 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 the season goes on. I I know early in the season when we were talking about this, we're like, well, this will probably be something that uh, battle work out and opposition coaches might uh, use against Giannis. Now here we are, uh, as I said, halfway through January, and we're no closer to to any answer of of what is right and what is wrong. And and to be honest, I have no idea whether this challenge system is going to last beyond this season, but. I think the other thing I want to ask you is it's Chris Middleton. Now I think we sometimes talk about how we gloss over the brilliance of Giannis because it's just the nightly consistent 30 points, 10 rebounds every single night. But we're getting to the point where Chris Middleton, he's putting together one hell of a season and, and I'm kind of, 
confused a little bit about the the all-star chatter with him and what seems to be a question mark whether he's going to be an all-star. We know he missed seven games earlier in the season with the thigh contusion, but the last 16 games he's averaging 21 points on 49-42-89 shooting splits in 29 minutes per game. His season numbers aren't that um, much different to that. He's averaging just a tick under 20 points per game now. And then we know where that his minutes are around that 30, 30 mark. Uh, none of the starters are, are playing uh, major minutes, mostly because the Bucks just keep blowing out teams. But also we know the trust uh, Bud has in the, in the bench depth uh, there. But uh, I don't, I mean, to me, I thought Chris was going to be a lock last year because the Bucks were just winning so many games. The Bucks are 38 and six now still on pace for 70 plus wins. Uh, I, I, can't see any way that Chris Milton doesn't doesn't make the All Star game. I think I think he's almost guaranteed to be a two time All Star here. I think the coaches uh, are going to vote him in and reward him for what he's doing. Because remember, these are the guys that are seeing him put up twenty plus points on uh, incredibly efficient shooting on a nightly basis. Uh, he's really well respected around the league, and you can tell that anytime you ask any coach uh, around the league about Chris Milton, they uh, they love him. Yeah, I mean, I had the same. You you called it out uh, when when you tweeted that out. My first reaction was like, "Well, those are basically his, his season lines too. You don't even have yeah, to really yeah. cher- you know cherry pick. It's really just the the twenty one points, which you know, unfortunately, like they're I think perception wise, there's something magical about scoring twenty points rather than you know nineteen point four or whatever he's at right now. Um, so it's been nice seeing his his scoring number rise, just because uh, again, just as humans, we, we kind of view, you know, double digits or 20 point, you know, double digit rebounds or assists or 20 points rather than 19.5 points. Like there's something magical about that for us, you know, just when you see it on a page. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think at this point, you know, it's really hard to drop, I think an all-star team um, without him. I think if you're, you know, really looking at the numbers and you're banking it, you know, obviously counting team success and scoring efficiency and, um, all the little things and, you know, the advanced metrics are looking really good for him this year. I mean, he's, you know, I think, I don't think it's controversial to say he's having by far his, you know, clearly his best, the best season of his career. And it's really just the the minutes that are doing anything to, to make his, you know, season not look as, as good as maybe those of us like, you know, us and, and everybody's listening um, kind of realize, uh, you know, how good it's been. So uh, I certainly hope that that's the case. Um, I think, I don't know, like, I think my concern is there's a few things that could happen um, as far as, you know, guys like, I mean, Kyrie Irving playing tonight, you know, if Kyrie had continued to be injured with his sort of phantom shoulder thing, um, then if he doesn't play in the all-star game, then perfect, you know, uh, <laughs> and that's one one guy that, that you wouldn't have to worry about. But he's been in that kind of top two East guard um, mix for voting and I assume he will not be a starter because I think there's no way the media is going to vote him yeah. as a starter, but I have no idea. Like the players, he has a lot of respect from players. He's missed tons of games. So, I mean, are players going to correctly ding him for that? I don't know. Right. And the other issue is, you know, Trey young has also been the other guy uh, in the top voting. And, you know, Trey's one of those guys who, if he's not a starter, I think he will get a – I think the coaches would vote him in. But the fact that he's putting up these monster numbers for a Hawks team that is horrendous and 
they're horrendous in part because, you know, he's one of the most useless defenders in, in basketball. <laughs> um, you know, he has some culpability there. Uh, I, I don't know, right? Like, I, 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 you know, if it, Kemba is clearly the guy out of, like, the East guards who should be the lock starter. Um, but, again, is there some world where maybe Kemba doesn't start? Probably not. I think between uh, coaches and uh, – and uh, the media or sorry between players and the media I, I assume Kemba will come out uh as one of the starters in the east backcourt but um but yeah it's it's I don't know I don't like to take anything for granted I mean I think maybe um this coming up this week we can maybe do some of the math and kind of go down the rosters and think and kind of look at like who the kind of bubble um type type guys are but um you know certainly uh, the, and again, and, and obviously Chris is not a, is not a guard, but, but, you know, it, that stuff kind of goes out the window with the reserves and obviously Chris is not going to, Chris is not going to be a starter. So, um, so we'll, we'll just kind of have to see how, how it kind of shakes out. You know I mean? Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy who has had, you know, uh, uh, all-star buzz, you know, as a guy who has been averaging 20 points, uh, 22 points, six and a half assists, you know, he's having a really good season kind of trying to keep the Knicks or the Nets afloat. Uh, here uh, while Kyrie has been out um, so it's it's going to be really interesting you know because certainly the the South I mean the thing that would kill me most is if Does Boston gets three if if Boston got well even like I mean even two yeah Boston right. Boston, I mean, Boston shouldn't get two over the Bucks. right like right. yeah like you know like maybe a month ago when Chris had missed seven games and his numbers weren't quite as impressive as they are right now you could have made the case to me that Boston like there's a world where the Celtics maybe could get two and the Bucks only get one. Um, but at this point, like, you know, like what, what are we doing here? If, if Jason Tatum averaging, you know, 21 points a game and more minutes is like, is, is what kind of decides us. Like to me, that would be, that would be pretty absurd. You know, I mean, I think Jalen Brown had been playing better than, than Tatum for most of the season. He's been out the last couple of games. Celtics have, have obviously lost, um, a number of games here of late as they, they lost again tonight against the Suns at home. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting thing because, I mean, I think you Philly, I think I, I understand, like, especially the way Simmons is playing, I get Philly getting two. Um, I think probably Boston's getting two. Uh, Brogdon's missed so many games. Uh, and, and at this point, you look at the numbers. I mean, Middleton's been better than Brogdon this year, even with Brogdon playing such a big role, um, just the efficiency at, at minimum. So, um, I think Sabonis probably is the only pacer and, uh, you know, Detroit, Blake Griffin's gone or whatever. Anyway, we should, we can save this for another pod probably, but, um, Chris has been, Chris has been really good. And I don't think, you know, uh, it's kind of, Oh, my series is going off here. Did you, um, Siri, did you ask like Siri if Chris Middleton's going to be an all-star? I don't, or what just, I, I, I don't know. Siri's uh, <laughs> Siri's going nuts over here. Um, but I thought, you know, speaking of this game, um, I thought really like the, the, I was actually kind of shocked that Chris only had 20 points um, because it felt like he just was getting buckets. He missed that short. He had that wide open three early, like on the first couple possessions against that zone defense, which maybe we can talk a little bit about that. And the Nets sort of tried to throw a little bit of a curveball at the Bucks with some zone tonight, but um, he missed that shot early. I think he missed a couple shots early, uh, but then he just started cooking. And I thought one of the really key stretches of the game was, Bucks um, took Giannis out in the last like two minutes, I think, of the first half. And Chris uh, lead got reduced to I think it was fifty one forty two, I believe. And Chris came out catch and shoot from the top of the key, just buried a three, 
And then the next time down the court, uh, they run a pick and roll. They get a switch to get Jared Allen on him. And he just throws some, you know, between the legs, shake and bakes on him, gets Allen to get on his back feet, back foot a little bit. And then Chris just steps back, buries another three uh, in, in his face to, to give the Bucks a 15-point lead. Um, I, I just thought that was just a really, uh, a really big sequence to kind of just sort of put the Bucks stamp on, on the end of that first half. And, and again, get the Bucks into halftime having really not had any real issues with, with the honest foul trouble and, you know, uh, the Nets trying to go zone, do some different things. Um, I thought that was just a really big, big sequence for, for the Bucks in general. And again, something that we've obviously just been seeing Chris do a lot this year, just when Giannis has to go to the bench, uh, he's just able to, to marshal that second unit in a way that just has been really impressive. And obviously one of the big reasons the Bucks have this terrific scoring margin, even with Giannis on the bench. Yeah, so I think I think we should sometime in the next week, and and I don't know. I mean, the Bucks obviously have a few days off here coming, so maybe uh, maybe this week is the time to do it. I don't know. We'll figure it out where we can talk and and really work through the All Star thing a little bit more. I, I just wanted to make one final point on Chris Middleton, just a, just a number that really points out what he's doing this season. So in 2017-18, Chris Middleton averaged 20.1 points per game. That was uh, that or that is still a career high for him uh, in scoring per game in his career. This is on basketball reference, so this is before tonight, but 19.4 uh, points per game currently. Obviously, he can't play 82 games this season, but if he were to play 82 games this season at that pace, he would finish with 62 fewer points than he had in that career best season, but he would be playing 654 minutes fewer than he played in that in that year where he had 20.1 <laughs> points per game so his, his efficiency has just been out of this world and uh I, I think there's a lot of games where you look at the box score at the end and you're like oh yeah chris has got 22 points okay because he does do it in a kind of a, a quiet fashion and and for a guy that's scoring at the rate that he is uh you know, you look at a night like tonight where he only has 12 shots, and sure, the minutes are down, but uh, this happens all the time. And and there is an argument to be made that he could have a bigger role even within this team and in stretches where the Bucks are struggling to score. And even on a day like Christmas Day, you look where he had he had a big night, he had 30 points. Maybe he wasn't utilized enough. And and same could be said for the loss earlier in the season in Boston. So uh, he's having a great year. And I, I think, importantly, he looks comfortable. We spoke a lot about Bud seeming to loosen the leash a little bit on him offensively and let him do different things. But uh, I don't know if you really want to go into anything else in this game before we uh, we look to wrap it up. Obviously, well, like I said, one more game before they head off. So they, they're playing. It's a 4 o'clock game on Monday in Milwaukee against Chicago. And then they're flying. They're getting straight on a plane. They're flying direct to Paris on, on Monday night after the game. So... Uh, it's going to be a bit of a strange week. And this is where all the games they've played, 44 games obviously already, much more uh, than anyone else in the league, was for this reason. They're going to get uh, four days off here before they play the game, which uh, you know, I mentioned in the last podcast is a 2 o'clock game in, in Paris. So uh, they'll be busy, but they do get a little bit of, uh, a bit of rest, which they haven't, been out, had, haven't had the luxury of having to this point in the season. Yeah, I think only other things I'd mention, um, I thought Kyle Korver gave a nice shot, shot in the arm today, hit a couple threes yep. Yep. late in that first quarter uh, as the Bucks sort of, you know, they, they, they end the first quarter with a 30-22 lead, um, which the bench, you know, uh, Korver hitting a couple threes, 
Bender hits a three. Bender also had a nice dish to uh, Dante for a reverse layup in the last minute. Um, that kind of, you know, really started the uh, expansion of that lead and, and obviously ultimately never got really much closer than that uh, thereafter. Um, Dante, 11 points uh, in 26 minutes. Uh, so his, uh, you know, increase, I don't want to, I don't know if you call it a scoring binge, but his, his <laughs> scoring of late, another couple steals had a nice block from behind on Karis Levert, uh, early in this game. Um, I thought, uh, you know, George Hill two for four, both of them two for two on threes. So somehow his league best three point shooting number just continues to <laughs> continues to rise. Um, and Bender, I thought had an interesting game. It, I think it kind of highlighted, the good and bad of Dragon Bender, um, because like I said, I thought he had a lot of um, pretty good moments where it, it shows that he's been, I think, processing and incorporating the general way that the Bucks want their bigs to play as far as challenging being vertical, um, you know, around the basket when guys are driving. Uh, I thought there were some really good moments there. Flip side, uh, and he did hit a couple threes. Um, on the flip side, I thought we saw him get a couple of chances as a role man to try to finish at the rim. And you could just see, he just does not play with force. And I think, you know, Claxton and Allen, I think, I don't know if one or both of them had a block uh, on, on him going to the, going to the rim. Um, you know, again, he's just too much of a finesse guy to, to really be, uh, you know, too effective in, in those kinds of situations. And again, he's got skill, but we didn't really see it tonight. He got blocked. Um, at the basket uh, two or three times. And again, just you notice his lack of, uh, you know, sort of verticality in terms of offensive verticality explosion uh, when he's playing against guys like Allen and and Claxton who are just sort of in a different, in a different level than him. Um, But, but again, you know, I think generally uh, he contributed pretty well. I mean, plus 14 and 21 minutes. I thought that was a fair representation of the way the Bucks played when, when he was on the court and, um, you know, Wes Matthews hits four out of seven, including three of five from three, 11 points, three garbage assists. Garbage time. But garbage time, yeah. But did he hit three, all three threes in, in garbage time? He at least two. It felt like um, it. Yeah, it, it did not feel like, again, he was um, really looking particularly good, especially in that first half. Uh, but who knows, right? I mean, sometimes all you need to do is, is see a couple shots go down and maybe um, you start to kind of get your rhythm back a little bit. So, um, I don't know, there's been a lot of – a lot of times lately where you kind of see Wes running around with the starters or, you know, getting major minutes and you kind of think to yourself, yeah, Wes is not earning this, this degree of run. Um, but uh, again, tonight, at least uh, some shots go down and, and hopefully that's something to, uh, to build upon a little bit. So um, anyway, yeah, good win. Good win bucks. Um, another <laughs> 20 point road win against a, a pretty good team. And um you know, uh, onward and up here with uh, upward with uh, Bulls game on uh, Martin Luther King Day. Yeah, that's it. So uh, this is what this is where we're at now. We're at the point where you can you can look at a twenty point win and say, huh, yeah, it was uh, kind of a scratchy performance. So uh, you could be better than that. And this is again, as I said right at the top, this is a team that potentially is going to be in the playoffs, or most likely will be in the playoffs, and then potentially a team the Bucks could face. And uh, a 20-point win was not the, the best performance from the Bucks, possibly. But uh, we already mentioned the Bulls. This is a team they haven't lost to in a long, long time now. I, th- I think the streak is at nine games, maybe 10 games since they've last lost uh, against Chicago. So uh, 4 p.m. tip, as I said. So don't miss that one at home. 
we'll probably be talking after that one, I'm sure, or certainly during the week anyway. Like I said, we might be able to have a bit of fun this week because uh, the Bucks do have a few days off. There was another trade around the league tonight, not one worth talking about, but it is a reminder that the, the trade deadline is coming as well. Uh, I did see John Horst was on the on the Woj pod as well. I haven't caught that yet, but that might be uh, might be worth a listen. But like I said, Bulls on Monday, Bucks are thirty eight and six. The lead just keeps getting bigger at the top of the East. We'll be back after that game for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman. We'll catch you guys then.